Welcome to the Podcast Potables Network. You are listening to Process Potables, brought to you by the Andrew Boss team at Berkshire Hathaway. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star rating, and a review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and on Tapped at Process Potables. Check out our other shows as well, Power Bombs and Potables at Power Bombs PPN on Twitter, and Popcorn and Potables at Popcorn PPN on Twitter. You'll have a brand new episode of Power Bombs and Potables this week, recapping the last week in professional wrestling television, hosted by our friend and this show's engineer, Corey. And you will have a bonus episode of Popcorn and Potables, hosted by Mike Demore and Mary Klein, coming at you this week, and a brand new full episode coming the following week. So look forward to that. For news, info on breweries we've worked with, and more, check out www.processpotables.com. Process Potables is on tap. Cheers, everybody. What's going on, everybody? This is Dan, your host of Process Potables. Welcome to another episode. This is episode number 62, titled Processing. I'm joined by my co-host, Steve Jones, as usual, on Twitter at SWJones87. Steve, what's going on today? You know, Dan, as much as I love German soccer, it's just not enough, and I am dying for the return of the NBA. And we're getting closer. Yeah, I am not a German soccer guy either, but I am happy to report, thanks to some good advice from you, our friend Busby, and our friend Mike Borton, that I was able to turn a nice $30 into 92 yesterday on some, am I saying, is it Bundesliga? Yeah. Is that good? You like that? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, prost to that. Very, very excited to to make some money. I'll gamble on anything at this point, but Yeah. yeah, basketball coming back would be nice. That would be much more in my wheelhouse, both for... Uh, the enjoy enjoyment of watching it and the enjoyment of betting on it as well, uh, particularly talking about our Sixers and what's to come with that. We will get into that as we go into the episode. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today, basketball-related, non-basketball-related. We have a very special guest as well coming up later in the episode. We will be bringing back our friend Nick Johnson, who was on an episode before, did a great job. It was a great conversation with him. Looking forward to talking to him about what he's been doing during quarantine, how he's been getting by without the Sixers, what else he's been doing. Uh, if you follow him on Twitter at Nick Johnson underscore art, that's N-I-K Johnson underscore art. You can also check out all the Sixers stuff that he makes. He has shirts and things like that at his shop, which is nickjohnson.shop. You can check all that out. Nick does a lot of work with Mike Scott, with the Hive, with the Mike Scott app, which you can download at mikescottapp.com. They, uh, over the last like week or so, they've been distributing out these Hive boxes uh, with exclusive merch and stuff. I know Nick did a lot of the designs, I think, both on the stuff that's in the box and the box itself, which looks fucking sick. So real excited to talk to him about, you know, going through that process, you know, how he's linked up with Mike. We talked about it a little bit before, but you know, get an update on what's going on with that and just talk some Sixers and some basketball with him. We're going to get into uh, a lot of the basketball talk before we even get to Nick, and that's going to start with this week's Quick Sips. (laughs) 
starting off somewhat basketball related, but really just more about life. Former NBA player Steven Jackson spoke at a rally Friday afternoon in Minneapolis in remembrance of his friend George Floyd. Jackson became friends with Floyd while growing up in Texas, spoke along with actor Jamie Foxx and others at the rally, which was held at the Minneapolis City Hall Rotunda, and also attended was attended by Timberwolves players Carl Anthony Towns and Josh Okogie. George Floyd was, handcuffed, was a handcuffed African-American man who died in police custody after pleading that he could not breathe. Steve, we talked about wanting to make this a point on this show. We generally don't get into politics or anything, being a basketball podcast and just the divide that that can create sometimes. But ultimately what I've learned, you know, not specifically just from the events that are occurring now, but like is really hammering at home even more. And I think we mean you specifically, you know, being best friends for so long, I think we agree on a lot of these things. But what has come most to me as, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and say like a privileged white male who in comparison to all these things has no idea what, you know, difficulties uh, many other American citizens and, and, and the like have dealt with in their lives. Everything that has challenged me is, is trivial in comparison that. You know, I think a lot of people have maybe been of the mindset of like, you know, this isn't this isn't my place to speak about it. I don't really know. Uh, you know, this isn't my responsibility, and maybe it's best to just stay out of it. And the problem with that is, really, everybody needs to speak up. Everybody needs to take a stand. You know, am I the most qualified person? Absolutely not. No idea. But that doesn't mean that that I should sit by. And do nothing about it. Like people need to talk about this. Everybody needs to be talking about this. It awareness needs to be raised. Action needs to be taken. And so even with us just being a basketball podcast, I and you know, by no means are we some significant platform that using our voice, you know, maybe matters that much. But if enough small voices come together, that creates a larger voice. And that's what is important is just showing solidarity solidarity, showing support you know, showing, you know, what side you are on, because unfortunately, like we are at the point where this seems like it is a matter of taking sides. And, you know, I want to be on the side that supports, you know, black lives matter, all lives matter. You know, everybody deserves equality. Everybody deserves equal rights, everything like, you know, so I'm in support of this movement. There are people on, you know, different sides of the fence on whether, you know, the, the violence is necessarily the answer of it. And, you know, you can agree to disagree there, I suppose, but I am in full support of everything that has been going on. And I know that today, like in Philadelphia, I know there's uh, it's supposed to be a peaceful protest happening, I think around like two o'clock. Yeah, I was going to put that in here, but depending on when this episode comes out, it, it probably will have already passed. But and since it hasn't happened yet as we're recording, I don't know really what came of it. So there's not a whole lot we can say. But, you know, I'm glad that, you know, something is happening in a city that is as you know proactive as Philadelphia, that has a voice like Philadelphia because so far, you know, we've seen it in Minneapolis, we've seen it in Brooklyn, we've seen it in Atlanta. And, you know, there's a lot to dissect here, but basically my point here is that, you know, we can't just sit by and be silent just because of the color of our skin or the inferiority of our voice. Like, we are still a platform for however many people listen, however many people follow us on social media. So I just want to make it very clear that, you know, we are not going to be silent about it, that we understand that there is an injustice in this country and that the only way that change can occur from that is making sure that voices are heard and that people speak up and that, you know, action is taken. Uh, you could debate what that is, but what what are your general thoughts on this, you know, as, as much as you're willing to say on the matter? 
Well, one of my arguments is is when people say, you know, I'm just going to stay out of it. It's not my place to talk or I just don't want to get political or I'm just going to be silent on the matter. What change has ever come of from just being silent or not taking a position? Correct. Absolutely no change has ever happened from that. And yes, I am not the most qualified person to uh, discuss basketball, but you know, when it comes to these things, I mean, I, I have both a bachelor's and a master's degree in criminal justice, and these types of issues are right in our wheelhouse. And you know, my actual research goes beyond what people share on Facebook or Twitter or other social media. I mean, I, I've read dozens of books, written lots of papers, read lots of research, and it's just. You know, the systemic and institutional racism is very much a thing. And it's just crazy. There's people out there who think, oh, that's just a made-up term by people wanting to support their cause. And that is far, far from the truth. And beyond just getting murdered for a crime that an African-American did not commit, like, it's just, it goes beyond that. If you get pulled over, you're so much more likely than a white person to get a citation or get arrested. If you go to court, a jury is more likely to convict you. If you go into prison, you're far more likely to get good time or get treated as well as a white population. There's just so much wrong with it. And there's just, you know, I recommend people reading books like, um, you know, Gang Leader for a Day by Sudhir Venkatesh or reading The Innocence Project, which talks about how the majority of people that are sentenced to death are African-Americans who are incorrectly sentenced to death. So it's just, there is so much wrong and I, I don't support something like looting. However, when they, when you protest peacefully, what other option is there for, for this change to, to, to take place? And it's just, man, I, I mean, I can go on and on, but something's got to change. And, you know, I'm not going to be quiet because that's not going to change anything. And, Maybe I can't do anything on a large scale to help the change, but you can just start small by having conversations. If you have peers, friends, family members who tend to have racist views or you need to stand up to them, be like, that, that's not right. And it's, you know, those are the little differences you can make that can really total up and change things going forward. Yeah, very well said. I mean, to your point as well, you know, things that you can do, you know, maybe we're not going to be out there on the front lines necessarily or be the ones looting or anything, but, you know, you just suggested to, I'm sure, very, you know, educational and thought-provoking books that people can read. So that's that's something in itself that, that you can do is give people, you know, reading material that maybe can, can educate them, can inform them, can give them, you know, a different perspective or give them information to back up their their belief already so they can just be more educated, more well-spoken on the matter, things like that. And to your point, yeah, I don't know that I, that I necessarily condone looting, but like we've said, you know, peaceful protests, where, where has that gotten us so far? And I saw this posted a lot on Twitter today, but, you know, John F. Kennedy was quoted as saying, those who make peaceful revolution impossible make violent revolution inevitable. Like, yeah. that, that that's what you force people into when these things happen. And, you know, we've seen, unfortunately you know, there's, there's a lot of video evidence in these peaceful protests of the same thing that's being protested is, you know, police officers are there and not all of them at all. Not, not all of them. We're not saying that all cops are the same, but you know, in these people, peaceful protests, there are further examples of police stepping out of line and being overly aggressive and overly physical and, and violent beyond a reasonable nature to people that are peacefully protesting. And thus it escalates the situation. And, 
while I do also have, you know, a, a modicum of respect for, you know, police officers needing to protect themselves and whatnot, you, you know, people are going to protect themselves too. And unfortunately, like, you know, police go through all this training, like they, they need to be held to this higher standard of being trained on these yep. things of being educated on these things. I know, you know, you potentially were, were, were planning to become a police officer at some point. So I know you have an idea of what that goes through and what that entails and everything. And that's the difference is, you know, some random person on the street, if, if there's somebody who's, you know, a, a protester who is being you know, a little bit out of line, who's just being loud or whatever, then, you know, I just expect police officers to be in a, in a position to be able to handle that accordingly and not escalate the situation physically or whatever. Now, you know, once they become put in an altercation outside of their control, then I, I kind of get, you know, needing to squash that situation but then even then we're seeing situations where you know it goes beyond you know taking care of the threat and it goes to now you are the threat and that's like that switch that is flipped that is not okay really in any situation it, it, it it's super difficult again uh, especially myself not the most qualified you are are much more qualified than me but neither of us really being experts but the point is is that these are conversations that need to be had and, you know, we're not necessarily the platform to do that all the time or really, you know, often at all. But right now it seems very prevalent that everyone is, is at least bringing that up, that it is not swept under the rug, that there is a light shown on it. So uh, we are doing that. Uh, you know, I hope any of this discussion maybe helps or, or makes somebody even, you know, consider reading one of the uh, suggestions that Steve gave or just, you know, maybe attending a, a peaceful protest or just making sure that you're you're educated on this and, one of the biggest things is if if you are not somebody that is interested in, you know, going out there and looting and rioting or, or any kind of protest, which, you know, if that's not you, then that's not you. That's your decision. Then these are the kinds of things that need to be done at the polls. You need to go and you yep. need to vote out people that do not line up with your beliefs, the people that let this injustice continue, whether that be, you know, in, in your local legislation, whether that be a mayor, whether that be a, a governor, a congressman, whether that's your... Uh, like a, like a, even like a, like a DA or, right. you know, other, other things along those lines, you have say in all those matters. And we get into arguments a lot about whether, you know, one vote matters and, you know, how significant is it? And obviously there's a lot, especially in New Jersey where we live and in Philadelphia, which is obviously, you know, one, one of the largest cities in the country, you know, one vote, you know, what is it? But that, the thing you have to consider is everybody's one vote. And if everyone has that mentality, it's a lot of votes. So you can't look at it that way. You've, you've got to take advantage of your voice and, you know, whether the result it, it's, it's something that comes back to, you know, like Sam Hankey and what we talk about, like, yeah. you know, you can't just base it on the results. Like, you, you know, it's about having as many chances at the opportunity as you can. And that means every single individual vote. That means every person taking advantage of, of, of democracy and the voice they are given and making that voice heard. And even if your, your choice does not win, you know, you did your part by voting right. and, and people see these numbers. And even when the wrong person wins, like the quote unquote wrong person wins, those numbers go into how things change because they see how close these things are or how not close these things are. And the, you know, the, the, um, the backgrounds and, and the platforms that these people run on and everything, like they take those things into account, whether you believe it or not, they take those things into account of, you know, somebody that had this platform got this percentage of votes and it may not have won, but you can see how many people backed that kind of platform based on that. So like the information is there. 
it is used. It, it, it impacts things beyond the scope of comprehension that some of us may have. So you cannot take it for granted. It is not insignificant whether you believe that or not. You, you have to do your part if in no other way than that way. Yeah, and the only thing I'll add to that, I absolutely agree with everything you just said. It's going to be interesting because with uh, COVID-19, there may be some challenges when it comes to voting this November. Um, but just the inconvenience, the time of sit, standing there in a long time to, to wait to vote or if they're doing mail-in ballots, whatever, like these inconveniences, just remember they are that inconveniences. If it just takes a standing in line for a really long time, taking a day off from work, by the way, your employer can't tell you, you, you know, to not vote and to come to work you know, go through that because your vote matters and not enough people vote, then, I mean, we, we can't really make change. Yeah. All those inconveniences, not necessarily every single one of them, but a lot of them are unfortunately also considered means of voter suppression and you can't let that be a thing that stops you from doing it. So uh, know your rights, know what, what you're allowed to do, know what, you know, you can be stopped and not stopped from doing, which basically you cannot be stopped from voting, Uh, find a way, figure it out. Uh, as inconvenient as it may be, it's important. So not to discount any of that, but obviously we are going to move on and talk about the basketball news and, and continue on with the podcast. But you know, to anybody who isn't here for that, sucks to suck. I'm not going to apologize for it because, again, we talked about how important it is, but you know, hopefully you can move on. I'll make sure to timestamp the episode too. So if somebody really doesn't want to hear that, they, they can figure it out, but um, not going to apologize for it whatsoever. Moving on to more news, Jerry Colangelo, you you adequately put a throwing up emoji in here next yep. to his name, and now I kind of want to throw up, which <laughs> would have happened regardless, just reading that name. But anyway, the chairman of the Board of Governors for the Hall of Fame told ESPN on Wednesday that enshrinement ceremonies for the class of 2020, one of the most star-studded lineups ever, including Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, and Kobe Bryant, will be moved to spring 2021. The Board of Governors will convene on June 10th, he said, to explore spring dates. And Shams Charania, I think that's how you pronounce it, of the the Athletic tweeted this past Wednesday, the 27th. uh, Per his sources, the NBA is working on a multi-phase medical slash safety protocols toward the restart of play. Current projections have in-market training camps in July, then camps for scrimmages in Orlando, then resume play as late as July, excuse me, resume play late July or early August. Uh, that'll be interesting, given that I've also read that uh, Disney does uh, slowly plan to uh, reopen their parks on July 11th. So that's just, I could see potential issue there. And then later that night, uh, both Woj and Ramona Shelbourne from ESPN report at the NBA and the NBA Players Association or progressing on the plan that would allow for a limited number of family members to eventually join players for the season's resumption inside an, or, inside an Orlando bubble environment. And that's it for this week's Quick Sips. So, Steve, before we talk to Nick, and I think we'll probably ask him about this too, so this will kind of lead into that as well, but on Friday... The NBA Board of Governors had a meeting and discussed four potential return to play options. The first one was the typical 16 playoff teams, with the teams and seedings based on the standings when the season was suspended March 12th. This uh, option received 16 of the 30 votes from the owners. The second one was resume the regular season with all 30 teams, followed by a play in tournament, which received eight votes of the 30 owners. 
Third option, go straight to the playoffs with either a play-in tournament or a World Cup-style group stage, which receives five votes. And my vote. And your vote. (laughs) And number four, resume the regular season with all 30 teams and then go straight to the playoffs, which received one vote. After that meeting, which makes the whole thing seem a bit trivial, Woj (laughs) tweeted that uh, that following that meeting, the NBA is planning to meet next Thursday and vote or an expectation that the owners will approve Adam Silver's own plan, which is different from all the others, on a format to restart the season in Orlando. That plan uh, allegedly is for uh, teams to expect invitations for 20 to 22 teams to resume the season. It, it sounds like they already know what's going to happen here. So it would be a 22-team plan. It would include teams that are currently within six games of the final playoff spots in each conference. New Orleans, Phoenix, Portland, Sacramento, and San Antonio would land in Orlando under those guidelines, with Washington joining as the only team within six games of the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. We kind of talked on a previous episode about thoughts on how this would all play out, and we had mentioned that you know the even the eighth seed was, was pretty clear in each conference to this point with, I think, no team on either side within more than three and a half games. I think in the West, like 9, 10, and 11, we're all three and a half out or three to three and a half out, if I'm not mistaken. So this plan does give them all of a chance since, you know, they would have technically had a shot to get in. How good of a shot, who knows, but, you know, it was there. Uh, Washington was not something we discussed in that at all. I'm not sure how far out they are, but I don't I don't think it's that close. I think they were closer to five or six games at least out. Um this says obviously they're the only team within six games. So some yeah, they're five and a half games behind Orlando okay. for the eighth seed. So and the other thing I had said to that point was that the thing that I was surprised by was that I believe every team that's in the playoffs is actually five hundred or better as well, which we've seen that in past years that's not the case. Is Orlando five hundred or better? Uh, no, they're thirty and thirty-five. Oh, okay, so they yeah. weren't. But and I, Brooklyn I, at number seven is thirty and thirty-four. Oh, okay, so they weren't all. So I'm wrong about that, but. So, you know, it it sounds like it it it, it they already know what's going to happen. So I guess it doesn't really matter, you know, our thoughts on which one would happen. They they already know and they'll vote for it this Thursday. I mean, I guess the vote could leave it subject to change, but it sounds like per all reports it won't be. Let's throw that out for a second. And if we're going off the four that were discussed prior to Adam Silver kind of coming in and just deciding what it's going to be, you know, which one of these do you think would have made the most sense for the league? Well, obviously, the the one where just resuming a regular season followed by a play-in tournament or just a regular playoffs, I, I don't that makes the least sense because you're just not going to have the time to play all those games. I do like the uh, the World Cup style group stage. So, if people aren't familiar, basically they break it down into group play, where four maybe five teams in a group they play each other once, maybe twice. And that could serve as your quote-unquote remaining regular season games. And that way teams like the Sixers, who are within two games of you know two spots uh, above them, gives them the chance to maybe leapfrog uh, Indiana and Boston. So when you talk about that, if you're putting them in those group stages, would they stage that based on like kind of like brackets of where they're seated? Yes. So you'd be playing teams that are close in your right. like, record, I guess? So uh what what happens in like whether it's the World Cup or like the Champions League soccer? What they do, so they have like uh, four teams in a group: one, two, three, and four. And if you're a team that won your league, like you know, if 
you know, the winner of the Italian league, the winner of the German league, the win- they're all like one seeds and they, they get shuffled. It's like a random drawing. So, you know, eight teams have a possible, you know, there's like eight one seeds for argument's sake. And then runner-ups for all those leagues become the two seeds. And then they have these different qualifiers where you can become a third and fourth seed, you know, which gets convoluted. But what the NBA could do is like, you know, uh, if they were to have, say, four four-team groups, they could have the top four seeds in, in the entire NBA, not by East or West. They can be like the four one seeds and then the next tier of, of you know teams, so on and so forth. And then usually once these teams play each other once or twice, the, the, the team with the best record moves on to the playoffs. And then like the runner-up teams, they become like the lower seeds for the bracket you know, to the start of the single elimination playoffs or the best of five, seven game series in the NBA's case. So, so like in the NBA, if you, if you had like a group stage of like four teams and they were all teams that are, you know, like, let's say they're all like at least like one to three seeds in their conference, even the worst team in that group, like they're getting in the playoffs, right? Like this doesn't screw any like high ranking team out of the playoffs somehow by being in a group with other Top tier teams. Well, so so ideally, like the top two teams in that group would advance. So if you're third or fourth, you wouldn't advance to the playoffs. See, that seems weird to me. Yeah, because then you're so. saying basically a team like you know, let's say like Toronto or like the Nuggets, who I think are the two seeds in their conference, right. get put in a top bracket and don't do well. Then all of a sudden they're like out of the playoffs and they had to face the like they're being punished by facing the best teams because they have a good record. Yeah. So that's – and the one reason why this kind of thing works in soccer is because games end in ties, and that makes it easier for tiebreakers to decide. And obviously that's not a thing in the NBA. And and I think having a tiebreaker of, you know, winning percentage or scoring the most amount of points, that that wouldn't go over well to your traditionalists. So – but it seems like, you know, with Adam Silver's playing, uh, we're going to go at least have six to eight games of like a – "Quote unquote regular season." I'm sure that's part to get players back into playing shape, and obviously, I'm sure some sort of mini camp will precede all of that. Um, and that way, it gives teams who are close a, a chance to vie for a higher a playoff uh, standing. So, I think this comes down to like two different trains of thought for me. And the one is how do I get the most basketball because that's fun, and I missed so many games that I, yeah. I want as much as I can get. But the other is, like, player safety and doing this quarantine right and easing into things and whatnot. So I was pretty much always, you know, in in the rational side of me saying, just get to the playoffs. Like, the regular season doesn't really matter. The standings are pretty locked in. Would they have changed much over the last, you know, 15 or so games? I doubt it. Maybe, but I doubt it. Yeah. You, You lucked out to where no one was that close to where I think they would have that much of a legitimate argument that they could have done that much in those games yeah and if you look at the list of the teams out already out you know for argument's sake we'll call them like the bubble teams they're not in the top eight in either conference but you know they could arguably uh make a playoff push out of all these teams you're, you're looking at um new orleans phoenix portland sacramento san antonio um and then, and then washington i mean of if there's any one of those teams that could make some noise in a playing tournament it's probably portland but I mean, and maybe they make it one round. I mean, right. And but at, by the same time, the NBA has to. They can't. They have to 
have some sort of cutoff where like, okay, if you're at this point of season, you'll be coming back. So, well, and, and here's the other problem is, and this was going to be my, my other question to you is, you know, where do you stand on, on somebody like Damian Lillard, who basically said like, if they restart the season and everybody's in, but they don't have a way to make the playoffs and he's not going to play because a lot of people seem to be kind of giving him some shit for it, but I'm with him. Why am I going to wrap myself back up and do all this just to play a few games and then go home? Like it doesn't make sense. If, if my season's over, then I'm I'm not doing it. I'm not going through another training camp and to show up and play four or five games, risk injury that at this point will definitely carry into the next season. Right. At this point, if you if you suffer anything moderately sustaining or anything, um, a guy you know of of his skill level with with the money that he makes and everything, I'm not putting myself on the line unless I have a chance to make the playoffs and. You know, he's not sitting there saying, I'm not going to play no matter what. He just wants a shot to make the right. playoffs. They're three and a half out. They, they could make some noise. And we know that once they get in, when you have a guy like Damian Lillard, then you absolutely could could upset somebody uh, under the right circumstances. So wh- where do you stand on him saying he's not playing uh, unless he gets a shot to make the playoffs? Oh, I, I absolutely agree with him. Uh, but my, to play devil's advocate here, what I would say is I think what's going to be important is because of how many games of the regular season were missed, one way that teams make a lot of money is through their local TV deals and Correct. revenue. So for a guy like Damian Lillard, who's already made mil- tens of millions of dollars and is set for life, that's not going to matter for him. But maybe the, I, I don't know the uh, Trailblazers roster very well, but the guys at the very bottom who are making uh, minimum contracts, you know, that that could be a big difference for the rest of their life and career playing six or eight more games because I'm sure there's definitely going to be some sort of incentive or just getting paid a little more uh, for all the games that they miss. So. If you've seen their salary cap, I don't think anybody on that team's not making money. I mean, Hassan Whiteside's still on his fucking contract. That's true. Center, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, they have one of the highest caps in the league, I believe. So, And, and I don't think the league's really going to be able to force a star like Damian Lillard's hand be like, like, all right, if you don't want to play, th- th- that's fine. Well, clearly they can. I mean, that's the whole load management thing. They can't force any of these guys to play any night. They keep trying to implement ways yeah. to keep these guys from taking nights off. And, you know, they're, they're trying their best. But at the same time, you know, if these guys, if these guys want to take a night off, they pretty much have, have the uh, the freedom to do so. And, and, I mean, they should. They know yeah. their bodies. And, and, and hey, not, I don't have a problem. I, with I think with COVID-19, there's also going to be the the one defense be like, Hey, listen, I know someone or I'm just not comfortable with this. And I don't know if whether regardless, not they really feel that way. I don't know if the league's going to really be, you know, right. and we're, and we're seeing that so. with WWE uh, yeah. you know, to, to talk about our friends, power bombs and potables. I mean, there are guys like Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn who, you know, have vacated opportunities. Roman Reigns probably would have won the, the world championship at WrestleMania, but you know, beings that he is a, a leukemia survivor and is like a high risk guy. He did not want to be around any of those settings and he bowed out. And to the WWE's credit, you know, he's still under contract. He's not being punished or anything. He's being allowed to to stay away. But it, it just not being there obviously will impact his career pretty significantly just via the missed opportunities that he's had. Sami Zayn was the Intercontinental Champion and had to vacate the belt because he wouldn't show up to defend it. 
Yeah, and, it's crazy. And and so again, like still under contract, not released or anything. So credit to them. But you know, again, if you're holding a belt and you're not able to, to come around and defend it, then they have to force you to vacate it and, yeah. and figure out a way to get it on somebody because they're still running their episodic TV. But you know, those people have the right to not show up. It is a matter of, of safety and and your mental health, your physical health, your family, your friends, everything like that, and, and society in general. So people feel like they have a responsibility to to any and all of those elements, and and it is their decision to to make just as you know what we talked about at the top of the show it is everybody's decision and choice to make um and and you kind of have to respect every, everyone's decisions and what they choose to do with that one of one of the last things that we talked about though it, when we were saying if they went straight to the playoffs was man like you know how is the level of play going to go so i like the idea of a ramp up period just for the sake of once you get into the playoffs the the game being good rather than everybody having to warm up but again i'm just worried about especially the teams that are already pretty set having to go out there and play a couple of meaningless games and risk injury and guys getting hurt and things like that, that now is going to impact the postseason, And, you know, the unfortunate, the unfortunate way that it seems like there's no clear cut way to do any of this that may not potentially put an asterisk on the result of the yeah, season, that's no, true. no matter who it is. But. I did want to ask you, would, how did you like this idea compared to what the NHL did with their, I think it's it's a 24-team playoff. What, what, how would you feel if the NBA adopted something like that, just going straight to the playoffs and the top four seeds getting buys or... The thing with the thing between hockey and basketball is is that hockey is so much like the top and the bottom really aren't as far apart as it is in the NBA. Correct. You don't have that yeah. disparity in talent level where like I think if the Lakers played, you know, the bottom five teams in the NBA, each of those teams ten times, they win nine or ten of the games. Yeah. Whereas if you take the best team in hockey and the worst team in hockey, which I honestly don't know who who overall number one would be, but let's say you take like a Tampa or a Boston in the East and you put them against like, I, th- I think the Devils are probably pretty close to the bottom this season. You know, I, like it maybe it goes like seven and three, eight and two, even like a six and four, like, you know, and again, in the playoffs, they don't have ties, but like regular season, like I would bet if Boston played New Jersey 10 times, like maybe they go like 6-3-1 or something. Like it's just a yeah. little bit closer. So it's it's entertaining and it makes sense in the idea that like I think if you stretch it to 24, you're still going to get good competitive hockey. But at the same time, like if I'm a fan of like a Boston, a Boston for example, or a Tampa Bay, like – I'm going to be pissed off of a fucking, yeah. like, I guess I guess if you consider it a, a 12 seed. If yeah. I lose to a 12 seed, like, can you imagine oh, yeah. being being a fan of that team or being somebody on that team where they opened this up to more teams just because of all this and that's yeah. the, and that knocked you out of the playoffs? Oh, I would hate you to end see up that being to the, Boston oh, fans. You're the oh, only franchise in it. NHL history to lose to a 12 seed because it's the only time it will exist. Oh, I'm here for I mean, it. I guess if they do yeah. this, they, they could consider it going forward as well. It doesn't have to be a one-time thing. And I'm sure they've taken that into consideration that if you're, if you're yeah. going to implement something like this, then I would think that you'd want to make it something that isn't just because of the virus, that you would want to make it something that maybe you would potentially do right. all the time, just so that it doesn't seem like you overhauled so much just for the sake of this one time. Yeah, and it, that, I think, would help any questions going forward. Like, if this becomes the new norm, then there's no longer an asterisk because that's true. It, it's yeah. what happens every time. So Yeah, and only in playoff hockey could there be a 12th seed team that makes, like, a cup run. And, that's and it would saying. be good and entertained, whereas in the NBA, you're like, yeah, the Wizards are not making a run as, that's like, what I mean. the ninth, we, we tenth, saw, we saw that We seed. saw that 2010 Flyers team yeah. know, overcome a, a bunch of Goliaths. My and, Flyers, yeah. Our Flyers, absolutely. Yeah. So. 
Um, you know, it makes a lot more sense in hockey than the NBA, so I get why they would do that. I don't think I would want that in the NBA. But I do – I'm torn on whether I, I want them to play a couple regular season games before only for the sake of I want more basketball, but I don't want to see people get hurt. And I also feel the longer they play, the more potential yeah. they have to exposure to you know, the virus or contamination or something that shuts this whole thing down. We've hit that point at nauseum on a couple episodes, so I won't go into yeah. the thought process. On and that's that more again. times for you th- – those are more games for you to bet on. Because of your competition problem. Right. My, yes, my competition. But don't have a gambling problem. Have a competition problem. All right. So we're going to get to our interview with Nick Johnson. Uh, we're going to bring him on. Uh, before that, real quick, a message from our sponsor, the Andrew Boss team at Berkshire Hathaway. Who's the next person you know who will be buying or selling a home? Have them contact the Andrew Boss team at Berkshire Hathaway for the most trusted process when it comes to real estate in New Jersey. Call today. 856-904-5636, that's 856-904-5636, and mention Process Potables for exclusive savings. All right, so we are on with Nick Johnson. Again, you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Johnson underscore art, that's N-I-K, Johnson underscore art. Check out his Sixers shirts, designs, everything that he creates content-wise at nickjohnson.shop. Nick, what's going on? Thanks a lot for coming back on the podcast. Happy to have you back. What's going on, fellas? Glad to be back. Uh, you know, it's a it's a nice day out. Uh, it's a crazy time we're living in. Um, it's, it's very conflicted time because there's things you, you want to get excited for because, you know, quarantine is starting to ease up, but... There's a lot of craziness going on in the world, too, and I'm sure we'll talk about basketball, the excitement that that might be coming back soon, and, you know, all the details about that. But it's just a really crazy time, fellas. I'm not going to lie. Like, it's yeah. I'm very conflicted at this moment with a lot of different things and uh, emotions. So Yeah, we, yeah, op- we opened the show kind of, kind of on our soapbox on where we stand, and, you know, we said it at the top, but just to say it again, you know, as, as two very privileged white individuals, it's a very – it's a very difficult thing to talk about because we obviously don't, we just don't know. Like we don't have the experience, but we see everything going on and we want to be supporters. We want to be, you know, on on the side of, of the people that are fighting the injustice. Like we, we both strongly believe in, in needing a lot of change to happen and we support the actions that, that people are trying to take. So uh, I think it's important that everybody, you know, acknowledge these things, educate themselves on these things. Steve gave some recommendations. Steve's a criminal justice, has a master's in criminal justice, so he's a lot smarter oh, wow. than I am on this stuff. So, you know, he was he gave some suggestions at the top of the episode of books people can read to educate themselves more on these types of things about the injustice that occurs in our country and the, uh, you know, in in like the, the prison system and, and in, uh, you know, correctional institutions and, uh, you know, police in general and things like that and, and the way that it impacts, uh, especially, you know, minorities communities and stuff like that but um you know like you said it, it, it's difficult it's confusing there's, there's a lot of emotions and it, and it makes talking about things like basketball and, and wanting to be excited for things like basketball difficult sometimes um you know i Definitely. struggle with like almost feeling guilty about it. like i feel guilty being excited mm-hmm. for basketball feeling happy that it's coming back knowing that there are people that literally can't can't give that a second to think about because of the the things that they're going through, the things that they have to deal with, the the stance that they're taking, the the fight that they're fighting, and and but at the same time, you know, I think a lot of people generally do agree that like sports are our escape and we always need them, and and it's always something to distract if you're looking for that distraction. Um, but obviously, it's not it's not the priority or the most important thing at the time, which which we definitely acknowledge. 
Yeah, no, it, it's very conflicting. And like you said, you know, um, and, and it's, I'm conflicted too. Like I want to be excited about certain things, you know, summer's coming up, you know, quarantine is being, you know, kind of slowly progressing back to more things you're able to do. And you want to be excited about those things, but then you have, you know, everything that's going on with George Floyd and the protests and everything. It just, it, it makes you, it does make you feel guilty. It makes you feel good, guilty that, you know, like, should I be excited about that when there's people that, like you said, that's not even on their mind right now. They have way bigger concerns and, you know, my, my heart is with those people and I'm thinking about those, you know, everyone that's protesting and everyone that's put in their, put in their lives in danger to fight for a, a cause that needs to be fought for, you know, and uh, so it, it makes it tough, you know, and like I said, my heart goes out to everyone that's out there right now that it's, that's trying to make change that needed to be, you know, changed a while ago. And, uh, you know, I just hope everyone's staying safe and, you know, uh, the, the right, the right, you know, intentions are being seen. You know, I, I, one of the things that's really kind of been really troubling to see with, you know, just following things on Twitter and stuff like that, or I've seen a lot of videos of what looks like to be plants of people that are, you know, looking like protest protesters that are, you know, inciting more kind of violence when there was peace before and kind of riling people up to that nature. And that's really disturbing to me. And, and I hope that's not the case, but I'm seeing a lot of evidence of that. And I, I don't, I just think, you know, if that's the case, then, you know, we, we got a deeper, we got a deeper problem than, uh, you know, what's on the surface. If, if, if there's people that are doing that kind of stuff, but I've, I'm also seeing a lot of, a lot of people coming together, you know, white people, you know, supporting the cause, which they, they should be doing, you know, you're seeing a lot of unity too. So, you know, you can't just focus on all the bad. There, there is good out there. And, uh, you know, I, I, I hope that that's shining through most, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So even though we did speak about maybe feeling guilty about it, we, we definitely want to talk some basketball. That That is what the pod's about. So we were discussing some of the potential return to play options. Now, it sounds like they, they are going to vote Thursday on one specific plan, which was Adam Silver's recommendation, which is 20 to 22 teams resuming the season. It's basically the playoff teams and then any team that is within six games of the playoffs, which would include New Orleans, Phoenix, Portland, Sacramento, San Antonio, and Orlando. Uh, they'll play a couple games kind of to ramp everybody up and also just to give, uh, you know, to finalize the seeding and potentially give those teams that at least were within range of maybe finding their way in a, a due opportunity to do so. Uh, you know, what, what do you think about that option being that that's the one that we're hearing is going to be the way? And then uh, once we talk about that, I, I can give you the, the options that were voted on prior to that one being, uh, you know, being the favorite. Um, I don't know, fellas. I'm kind of conflicted about just the playoffs in general. Like, I'm just, I've seen, like, the seeding and all that stuff, and it just looks like it's going to be a hard road for the Sixers. We all know that they don't really play well on the road, and especially in Orlando. So when it comes to just, like, looking at it from the Sixers standpoint, it's like, man, I, I, it's, it's kind of... It's funny rough, It's funny you mentioned them playing in Orlando. The NBA back, and if that's some people's escape, you know, it, that's a good thing. But for the Sixers, I got a lot of, a lot of questions that I just you won't get answered until you see him play. So it's, you yeah. know, I think any kind of playoff system, I'm still going to feel uneasy about, you know? 
Well, it's fun. It, like I never looked at it. We've talked a lot about the Sixers, whether like a neutral site helps or you know trying to compare the home versus road depending on where they're at. And it's funny that you mentioned they they never seem to play well in Orlando, which I know Steve can attest to oh having gone God, to yeah. Sixers games in Orlando when <laughs> he's down there on vacation True. and seeing them lose. It's I never actually considered the fact that you know even though it would be like a quote unquote neutral site that they do always play pretty poorly in Orlando. So basically, that's where it looks like it is. It is an interesting thought to it, consider that while it's not necessarily necessarily playing at Orlando that right. they, they do not have a good history there. So that is something uh, to think about. And I guess there is a benefit to having a, whether it's a training camp, mini camp and some of these quote unquote six, eight regular season games is how the playoffs will be uh, structured. It's just really the matchups that's going to determine like whoever's yeah. the home and away team is just not going to matter because they're going to be essentially playing in an empty arena um, and it might not even be that, in wow. Orlando's actual stadium. It might be, I think, in Disney's uh, ESPN Worldwide right. Sports. So it's just they literally maybe playing these uh, games in like a, a regular gym with little to no audience. So it's like th- that whole factor of having the home court <laughs> advantage isn't going to be there. So it's just really going to be the matchup. And will we? Hey, maybe our chances are better against a higher seed Boston in an, in an empty gymnasium. I don't know. Well, yeah, and I mean, if you considered like you know, would you have felt good? You know, we talked, we've talk, previewed a lot of Sixers Celtics beings that we thought that there's a good chance they were going to go straight into the playoffs, and that was the matchup. You know, would you have felt great about the Sixers having to go to Boston in a Game Seven? Obviously, they're not going to get it at home either way. But now, if they're on a neutral site, then Game Seven isn't at Boston. Mm-hmm. It's Game Seven on this neutral site. Does that are there are there you know? Uh, advantages built in now for lower seeds that they're not going on the road and in those in those end games of the series where we know that especially the later you get in a series the more the home court seems to favor the home team wow you know what i never even thought of that angle of it and i think that's really that's a really smart way to look at it yeah that's very interesting um like you know, Maybe Milwaukee fans are gonna are gonna be bitching if they don't make the finals. Right. That's, it's very it's gonna be yeah. very interesting to see just what the dynamic is and if it isn't an empty arena. Like, are we gonna be able to hear like the players, you know, on the court, the coaches, you know, you know, just think about Brett Brown yelling at Ben Simmons, you know, to shoot or whatever. <laughs> oh yeah, are we gonna be able to hear all that stuff? Like, that's what I'm really interested in. And as far as like. You know, the matchups, I think you guys bring up a really good point that's very interesting. I don't know how that could work. That really I, could work out in our favor. And I can't wait when this is all said and over. You're going to see just like these crazy one-time stats like, oh, the Sixers, they were 1-3 and three when playing in the Amway Center Orlando, but they were 5-2 and two when they were playing in uh, Goofy's Gymnasium on the, you know, Disney uh, Worldwide of Sports. So uh, you know, there's going to be all sorts of facts yeah. out there, wacky facts when it comes to this team. But I love it, man. That's what makes it fun. So Nick, before like before we even had an idea if the NBA came back, where did you stand on whether they should resume or not? Like, were were you always saying like they need to finish the season, or was ever was there ever a point where you were like, you know what, like maybe they'd be better off canning it? Not not just from a Sixers perspective, just from an overall perspective. Uh, from an overall perspective, I thought that you know. I personally want to see the the season, you know, return, return in some form. Um, I think, you know, if you're just following science and you're following, you know, um, what the experts are saying, you know, if they're saying you're good to go, then why wouldn't you, you know, why wouldn't you try to fit that in if you could? So it looks like that's what they're doing. So, um, you know, I have no complaints. 
And so the the other options, I want to see if you, you think any of these make more sense than the like 20 to 22 teams giving the, the, the close teams at the bottom a chance and then going into a regular playoff. The one that received the most votes prior to that Adam Silver proposal was uh, you just have the typical 16 playoff teams, the, the uh, teams and seedings based on the standings when the season was suspended March 12th. So that basically would have been the go straight to the playoffs one. That got more than that got 16 of the 30 votes from the owners. The next mm-hmm. one was resume the regular season with all 30 teams and then go to a play-in tournament. That got eight votes. The third one was go straight to the playoffs with either a play-in tournament or a World Cup-style group staging. That got five votes. And the uh, last one that got one vote was resume the regular season with all 30 teams and then go to the playoffs. Got one vote. So do you <clears> think that the Adam Silver proposal is the one that makes the most sense? Is like the best middle ground? Or are there any of these that you think would have you know made more sense or at least maybe been more entertaining? What, what do you kind of think about them? No, I think that what they, what the owners voted on, majority vote, I think that's probably the best way to go about it. Um, it'll be interesting, you know, to see some of these teams, especially like, I think Brooklyn was already in already, to say the I least. I think they're the seven seed. I'm interested to see Brooklyn and if Kevin Durant can play and like what a team like that would do, you know, with playing, especially with if they're able to get some games in with some slower competition and get their, you know, get some chemistry going on, they kind of scare me if Kevin Durant starts to play. Yeah. I haven't um, heard anything about that, else, which has been surprising. Go Sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying, like, I, I feel like I thought that Kevin Durant thing was going to make a lot more noise. And so far I haven't really yeah, heard, anything. I haven't heard anything. I think they're really mm. out of the position that they're not going to risk his long-term health for, for this, especially considering, you know, the teams they would have to run through, even if they get him the fact that, you know, he hasn't even been healthy enough to really like work with them or learn learn a system or anything. Like just throwing him out there with a new coach right. too. Yeah, probably doesn't really give give them as much optimism as they do getting him fully healthy for another season. But yeah, they already paid right. him for one season to not play. I can't imagine them risking it for right, the, and paying yeah, him that salary another, going yeah. forward to not play more. But yeah, I mean that's something we we teased a lot throughout the season was just like, what if they actually tried that? Like. They really could be a dangerous team, obviously, if if somehow that worked out. And, and yeah, the thing that has surprised me most during this quarantine was I really thought that even if it was a bunch of bullshit, that there would be a lot more noise and speculation in that. And, and I just haven't really heard anything. So I'm guessing it's not a thing, but, I mean, I, I don't honestly know. Yeah, I think that's the smart thing for them to do. Um, for sure. I just think if, if, he, if he was to come back, it would really make for an interesting kind oh, of storyline. Yeah. And I think – Without him being there, I think you're gonna just see the you know the typical face, the typical teams you would expect to be in the playoffs anyway, even with this new system. So, um, without that wild card, I feel like it's gonna shake out the way we would predict it to shake out. I mean, unless you guys, do you guys think there would be any kind of team that has a chance to get hot and like sneak in that kind of could surprise people or well it leads me to another question i wanted to ask you because steve Steve said the only team that he thought and i agree would be portland in the west and Mm -hmm. there's this whole thing with damian lillard saying that he's not going to suit up for any more games unless they're actually going to be given a shot to get into the playoffs so there you know some this was this was before all these proposals so i guess his thought was if like you brought all 30 teams back but there was only going to be like ramp up games and then the playoffs were as they were set already that he wasn't going to play so i guess knowing that they would be invited because they're three and a half out and get the shot i assume he'll play but what what are your thoughts on you know if he chose not to play if they didn't have a shot do you do you have any issue with that because it seems like it's splitting a lot of people whether they think that you know it's a selfish move or it's a smart move and then 
Um, yeah, I mean, if if you think any other any other of those teams like a like a Phoenix or a uh, Sacramento or San Antonio could make noise, but um, I think we agree that the only one that we think would have any any way to make noise would be Damian Lillard and the Trailblazers. Yeah, I agree with you guys on that. It would be that team. And if, could you guys refresh me on like what his status is, like injury wise? Like what was it, and like how you know? Is there any reports of how far along he is? Like, oh no, what, I think I think he's healthy. I think his, his I moment. think he's healthy. I think his point was just that he like if they were gonna make everybody play warm up games just to get everybody up, but the playoffs were already set as they were, then he wasn't going to play because what's the point? His team can't make the playoffs. You know, he's not going to ramp himself back up and play meaningless games to not have a shot at it. Um, I understand that, but at the same time, you did sign a contract and that is your job. So I feel, I'd, I think I'd feel some type of way if like, just say, you know, he was a Sixers player and he was talking like that, you know, um, I think I would kind of feel, yeah, some type of way about that. Um, if you're healthy and you can play, then you got to play. I mean, it's your, it's your job, you know? Yeah, I mean, I look at it, it like if, if it was the Sixers, like say the Sixers were, were the 10th seed in the East and they said they were going to have them play five games, but they had no shot at the playoffs. I don't think I'm going to get mad at Joel Embiid if he doesn't ramp himself back up and play five games because what if he gets hurt? And especially now you're going to have less time to get ready for next season and all these things. Like what if he got hurt in those five games and it, and it cost him some or all of next season? Like we'd be pissed off as hell. My only yeah, takeaway no, from that's a good point. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. Um, you know, I'm not really too familiar with Damian Lillard's uh, injury history, but if it's anything like Joel Embiid, then I think I probably might side with him there a little bit more. Yeah, I don't think he has like a history, then. but he has had some injuries. I I, th- I don't think this is an injury history thing versus just like a precautionary thing. Like he's a you know, nah, big, big money, yeah. big profile guy, and he's just saying, like, I'm not wasting my time. The difference, I think, is is the layoff part. Like, that's why I think I give it yeah. more credibility. Like, if if, sure. if they were just playing the regular season and there were 10 games left and they were mathematically out and he was like, okay, I'm shutting it down, then I'd be like, okay, don't be an asshole, finish the season. But the, mm-hmm. the, the thought that, you know, they've had so much time off and haven't been able to get in the facilities for a lot of this time that like even no matter what you do, there's going to be a pretty high probability. A lot of guys start pulling hamstrings or having little minor injuries just that happen from ramping yourself back up that if you are that kind of, I mean, if you're anybody and and you realize that there's really not much to play for, I don't have that big of an issue in in them doing that, but I I get anybody who does like, I'm, you know, I, I don't, I sit on one side, but I don't have a problem with either viewpoint. I get it either way. Yeah, I think you could put me in the category of like on the fence about it, leading actually a little bit more towards, you know, in that case, if you're really, if there's no shot, then I guess I'm leaning more towards then. I don't have too much of a problem with it. But if you have a shot and, you know, you're feeling good and you're a competitor, then I think you got to go for it. But if you don't, then I can see why, you know. And that's what I mean. I I think now that they've proposed a, a, plan where they would have a shot to get into the playoffs I don't, I don't think that he has any opposition to playing I think that's all he, he wanted so I think I think right. we're all kind of on the same page there so mm-hmm. um outside of the league and stuff I guess like let's just talk you you kind of already hinted at some of this when we were talking about the league in general but you know where do you kind of sit on on feeling about the Sixers you know if they do resume the playoffs the Sixers will definitely be in the playoffs obviously we've talked a lot about uh, potentially having to face Boston, but if they play six to eight games, obviously anything could happen. 
uh, whether, you know, Indiana jumps them, whether we jump Miami and, and get into the top four, anything along those lines. So I guess just in general, you know, what are your thoughts? Do you think the quarantine, you know, has helped or hurt them, you know, any more than other teams or not? We've generally been of the belief, I know myself and I believe Steve as well, that, you know, the Sixers were probably one of the most advantageous teams of this quarantine because of, you know, Joel probably benefiting from rest as well as Ben Simmons having that back injury. And it sounds like by all accounts, he's going to be cleared to play, which I'm not sure he would have been able to suit up for the playoffs had they occurred on time. Um, so while I still, we obviously still have our concerns and doubts about the team as a whole, I think that, you know, whatever your thoughts were prior to the quarantine, I think you'd have to like their chances a little bit better just based off of extra rest and health seeming to be more important to this team than a lot of other teams. Uh, absolutely. And if they can hit the ground running from a chemistry standpoint and everyone's healthy, yeah, they're going to be, they're going to be tough. Cause you gotta remember too, um, Jay Rich was like, had that nagging hamstring all year too. So it just gives him time to get healthy. I remember he was kind of in and out a lot too. So, yeah, you know, that's another piece of the puzzle that's going to be healthy. And, you know, and I don't know if you guys talked about it too, but I've heard a lot of people kind of mention it on social media as far as, you know, kind of go back to Ben Simmons and his health, but in an empty arena, do you think he's going to be more open to shooting more since there's not going to be that crowd there to kind of dictate his, you know, whatever, if it's a mental block there with the crowd or, you know, so that's really interesting to me, like Ben Simmons, his health and, you know, um, his time off, if he's mentally prepared to go back and play and, you know, is, is he is he ready to kind of take some chances with his game, do some things differently, especially with the comfort of not having a crowd there to kind of judge him? You know, I, I'm very interested in, in Ben Simmons out of out of everyone. Yeah, my thought on his shooting in regards to, you know, coming back, to like I don't think the crowd really has much to do with it. My, my hope was mm-hmm. that, you know, we saw between the that exhibition game and then, like, early in the season, he had, like, one or two in, in those games that if all of that wasn't generating momentum that carried forward, which we saw after he hit, like, two, he, he stopped shooting it again. Not that there was much yeah. volume to begin with, but if that didn't ramp him into it, then I don't see how now, coming out of this, like, off period, he's all of a sudden going to come out in a rhythm doing it. So I think it, it's probably pretty unlikely that any of this impacts that. I think, if anything, if if – if it could be more detrimental to him already not shooting, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get the the literal refusing to shoot, forcing it into the paint, like, like the same Ben Simmons that, that we know and have seen so much. But um, the other thing I wanted to ask you kind of to that point is what are your thoughts? And like, this is being pitched and proposed around, around all sports. And I don't know where the NBA lies on it, but you bring up the point of how much we're going to be able to hear the NBA is especially interesting because like they talk a lot of shit and it, mm-hmm. it can be very vulgar, and a lot of that gets covered up by crowd noise. So one, it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with that as far as like FCC compliance and whatnot, because you know a few slips get through on on, on national games, and and they kind of try to to blur it out. But I think they get some leeway. But I don't know how much you're going to get if none of it's drowned out. Um, all sports have obviously uh, been playing around with the idea of like pumping in fake noise and stuff. What are your thoughts on that? Are you for it? Against it? Do you care? Um, I think I kind of want to, it's hard for me to kind of say, I, I kind of want to like see it and experience it first to kind of have, uh, um, you know, uh, an opinion on it. To me, I'm really intrigued of, of, of like being able to kind of peek behind the curtain and like listen into like, you know, the, the banter that goes on on the court. To me, that's really interesting. And I feel like this is a perfect opportunity to kind of 
you know, let some of these personalities come through. Understand, like obviously it's a heated games competition. These guys are probably cursing a lot and stuff like that. So I don't, you know, you got to factor that in, like you said, with the FCC and all that. But like the fan in me, like I, I want to hear it. You know, I would love to be able to hear it. I, so uh, I'm interested to, I, I hope there's a little bit of both. I hope there's a little bit more, you know, uh, you know, transparency with that. But also, I can understand if they have to pump in some crowd noise and stuff like that. But I would like it. I would like to, you know, hear some stuff. Hear, hear some trash talk. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I want to hear them. I don't want any of that noise at all. But, I, you know, I think if, yeah. if they do it, I think, you know, part of that has, Especially has to with Joel Embiid on the Sixers. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, sure. there's just going to be yeah. so many, like, quotable things that you'll never forget for the rest of your life. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah. We, have a de- we definitely have a unique situation in regards to that. I, I know one of the other things too is just they're gonna be worried like you know are you gonna like you talked about Brett Brown like are, are the other teams gonna be able to hear him you know giving giving the game plan in the huddle because there's mm. nothing to drown it out. I didn't think of that. The, I didn't think of that. If yeah. You, if you have the announcers in the building, are the players gonna hear them on the court? Because I know that 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 even happens in like the dunk contest and stuff that you know yeah. some of the guys were able to hear the judges talking and stuff and and that was mentioned I believe because I I want to mm. say. I don't know if it was last year or a year before, and I'm pretty sure it was during a uh, playoff game. They happened to pick up uh, Brett Brown, Yano, Joe's like, Joel, what the fuck are you doing? And it was just like the funniest thing, and like people were talking about that on Twitter, but that just happened to be the one time you heard anything like that, whereas what's going to transpire uh, when we return to play, you're just that's going to become a norm hearing that thing if they don't add in some sort of uh, pre-recorded fan noise. Or I even uh, heard in like some soccer leagues, they put up screens and fans could uh, call in with Zoom to oh, watch wow. in the stadium. So, well, they also yeah. put sex dolls in the stands in, in some of those foreign soccer games. Yeah, so and, that, and that's a whole issue too. Can't yeah, do that in Disney. The, the the funny thing too, I know we, we joked about this before, but uh, going with the NHL was like, how are the players going to know how to shoot without any without yeah, right. any fans yelling at them to shoot? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I had to take that yeah, shot, it's, but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Um, I just can't wait to see what what product. Because the one thing I do like about the NBA is they seem to they seem to be on top of it. Like they they understand the fan experience a little bit more, and they let their players shine through with the personality a little bit more. For so sure. I think out of all the leagues, like I feel like they have the best chance. I believe they have the best chance to get it right, you know, from a viewer standpoint. So I'm That's interested true. to see, like, what they do. Yeah, the NBA definitely, I think, has the best overall fan experience. It lets the players shine. They, like, they, they make money off the personalities where, you know, yep. we, we saw for years the NFL was absolutely squashing that. They're starting to kind of embrace it. You know, they used to have you they yep. used to penalize any celebrations. Now they're letting that go a little bit. Baseball like mm-hmm. really has nobody with personalities and, and they, we're they, probably not gonna see they, baseball. They, they they punish bat flips and stuff like that. Like I I'm of the belief that like, dude, you, you hit a bomb, flip that bat, dude, stare the pitcher down, oh, yeah, whatever. Baby. And if a pitcher strikes yeah, you out, pump it. your fist, like whatever, dude, go for it. Like the game is so slow. Give us any kind of emotion you can get. Like that was the magic of that 08 Phillies team. Like, Brad Lidge was emotional. Like, you could see his reactions. Like, he was pumped for every fucking save that entire season. Like, we lived and breathed that shit. It was so, it was so huge. But, um, all right, so, Nick, so so moving on to, to what you do, obviously, you know, like the graphic design, web design, content creation. Just talk to us, you know, I guess first, like, overall, you know, going through this quarantine period, 
you know, no sports are really being played and stuff. Like, how are you keeping yourself busy? What, you know, what what are you still able to do to, to get by and, and keep yourself sane during these times? Like, we, we obviously have, have kept doing the podcast to the best of our ability. We, we reach and scratch and claw for every little thing we can find to talk about. We spent five weeks talking about The Last Dance because it's all we had. You know, we're, we're digging yeah. for every opportunity we can to create content because that's what we're passionate about. I know you're the same way, which is why I love talking to you, why I love interacting acting with you so just talk to us about you know what you've been doing to stay busy and and and, you know and the opportunities that you've still been afforded during this time and and, you know what you've been doing to make the best of it uh yeah it's definitely been a a tough time because we kind of talked about it on the last podcast just about like you know the vibe of the Sixers around you know the team and just the conversation was about like a, a bad vibe and what that could do to your creativity. And obviously with coronavirus and everything that's going on, like the vibes have been very, have been very, you know, not so good. So it, it is tough sometimes with creativity. And there was a lot of times I found myself like, why, I just don't even creating something right now. just feels not important. You know what I mean? With everything that's going on, but I did still create, I actually stayed pretty busy uh, with the Mike Scott stuff. Um, also on the music side, I'm working on uh, a project rollout for one of my artists, uh, one of my clients that I work with a lot, TDOT. Um, so I've been staying pretty busy and uh, doing a lot of stuff uh, for my brand, my gaming brand, DCX, and playing a lot of video games. Video games are, have been like the, the one thing that's kind of kept me sane throughout quarantine and everything and being able to play with my friends and kind of you know that 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 really helped that was really therapeutic i would say with everything but as far as uh creating yeah i've been very you know still busy um you know with the sixers and the nba kind of being at a halt i didn't do too much you know creating like i used to do a lot of wallpapers and stuff like that but um i'm gonna start doing that stuff again and you know try to pump out more content but during like the initial start of the quarantine i wasn't doing too too much um but uh it wasn't until like a couple weeks ago uh like a month ago actually when you know mike scott's team reached out to me and and they wanted to do the merch box and that really gave me something to kind of sink my teeth into and and kind of get me back on like you know the flow of things so i definitely want to talk to you about the merch box but because you mentioned it before i forget uh what games you've been playing because i'm the same way dude like gaming especially the, the first month of quarantine was like the only way i was communicating with a couple of my friends and, and it was such a huge yep. help so i know a lot of people kind of shit on, on people to sit inside and play video games but man during quarantine did that stuff pay off because just being able to like i'd sit in my house all day like like feeling like a mess and then at least for a few hours at night I would actually you know talk to people and and have some yep. fun in it and it really really got me through the first couple of weeks before I kind of like got myself back on track for sure and that's that's what it was for me because you know when quarantine first happened you know there was a lot of we just didn't know so you, you kind of just you did this the safe thing at least I did or you know what I thought was the safe thing and just stayed in the house and didn't go out didn't see my friends didn't yep. have any interaction so that was my interaction with my friends you know playing uh Call of Duty Warzone which actually came out as like the perfect time yep. for uh for quarantine it literally came out like I think that whatever that week I think it was the week of the 13th of March that the, the Go Bear uh incident happened like that's when Warzone came out. So like it was the perfect time. It, it came out the right at the start of it. So I've been playing a lot of Warzone, um, and that's been a lot of fun. I've been really enjoying that game. 
And uh, yeah, so that's the video games have been a real help just the same way for, for as you is for me. Yeah, like like uh, I, I already knew prior to the quarantine, like when the Final Fantasy seven remake was coming. So like mm-hmm. I had all this excitement just for it to come out. It didn't come out till I think like two or three weeks into the quarantine. But once I got it, like I made sure to like space it out. I took my time. I did every little thing where like I normally wouldn't go that crazy. I mean, it's my favorite game of right. all time, but also I knew I had the time and needed to like spread it out and enjoy it. And even then like taking my time, like once I finished it, man, like I went back into a lull for like another week because I was so upset and didn't have anything then that like, it really right. kind of messed me up is this crazy like roller coaster, like this insane high for like the 10, the 14 days I spaced it out. And then once I was done, dude, like I really fell off again and had to like catch myself and be like, dude, okay, like figure, figure out the next thing to do. Cause I know it was, right. I know this was hard, but you got to bounce back. Um, well, th- that's what's great about video games. You can kind of escape for those hours you're playing it. And you know, you're not thinking about anything, but just the world you're playing in, which is, yep. which is really good and therapeutic to, you know, it sounds like it is for you as it is for me. So that's, that's awesome. That sounds like it's a great game. I don't have a PS4, so I couldn't play it, but uh, eventually uh, I definitely would like to play that. Absolutely. So talk to us about the, the Hive March box. So you said that the, the Mike Scott team appro- approached you about wanting to set that up? Yeah, so um, what happened was, I'm going to shout out my guy, uh, Mike Kane. He works with Mike Scott uh, pretty closely. He's the one that developed the app. Um, he's a good uh, you know friend of mine now, and I work closely with him. Um, what the original idea was, he, Mike Scott wanted to send Lou Williams uh, a merch box. <laughs> So they asked me, you know, can you can you make something, you know, just you know, put something together that we can send them. Just has a little bit of pop to it. So I just took it as an opportunity to kind of like really just own it and and just you know try to. I wanted to impress Lou, to be honest with you. You know, that was Hell one yeah. of the things I wanted. I wanted Lou to when he sees this box, he's just like, yo, this shit crazy. Like this is dope. Like who <laughs> made this, Mike? Yo, you're killing it. Like, you know, this is great. Like, you know, I want to. I want it, Mike brand to shine too so and uh and i think we've really accomplished that i don't know if you've seen the video of lou getting the box i did like he was he was really excited about it which was awesome to see that was awesome man yeah the box the box looks sick man and and it's and it, it like that's the right way to think about it. Like, I'm glad to hear you say that. Like, I know you're, you're smart enough to know all that. And I know you're savvy with all this, but just like in a general principle, like that is the mentality you should have. Like, not only do you want to impress Mike, which you've already done, which is why he's coming to you. You've done a lot of right. work with him and, and everything you've done, you've knocked out of the park. So like, you're already kind of set with that. You want to keep that, that reputation level up, but that's the right way. It's like you, like, especially when you know, like, you know, he's sending it to Lou Williams. This is a a huge prominent NBA athlete. And not only is it like, you know, not only do you just take pride in your own work, you know, as you do, as we do, as any content creator does or, or, or anybody, you know, in, in this kind of, uh, in this kind of act, but, you know, for all you, like, you don't know that at some point and still could happen that Lou Williams doesn't reach out to you and have you start doing some stuff too. Like that's your brand, man. And that's work and that's yep. an opportunity. So you definitely want to, you know, take that shot and, you know, whether it does or it doesn't, you know, the result doesn't matter. The point is that, you know, you, you, you took the opportunity and, and you owned it, like you said. And, and I saw that video, man. And, and he definitely, like you could tell, 
you know, he, I think he was just, you know, anybody who gets anything like that is going to be excited in general, but you could tell that he appreciated like the little stuff of like, he didn't just open. It was like, Oh yeah, I got a shirt. Like you could tell he saw a box and right away was like, Oh shit. Like this is fucking sweet. Like not even really knowing what he was getting, just seeing the design, um, like the vibrant colors, how, how busy it is, but still is like clean as hell. Um, it, it was awesome to see. So yeah, I, de- I definitely checked that. It was one of the reasons I, I wanted to, to definitely reach out to you again was to talk about that. Cause that was like one of the, you know, we're, we're looking for bright spots during this time and yeah. everything we can find, you know, yeah. on the internet and social media that, that isn't sad and, and upsetting and just talking about, you know, this virus and whatever, um, is, is always encouraging and fun to see. So that was, that was definitely a highlight of this for me. And I was happy, I was happy that it came from you, somebody I know, uh, that definitely deserves it. So congrats on that, man. It was awesome. I appreciate that. And I'm glad to to hear that, you know, seeing that helped, you know, you know, helped your day, you know, and it made it, you know, it was yep. like, like you said, a bright spot. So that's, that's even cooler to me because that's the kind of art and kind of content I want to put out there, you know? So yeah, it was really cool. And like Lou Williams is one of my favorite NBA players of like all time. Absolutely. I just love, just love how he grinds. I love how he plays. I love his personality. He's yep. a real dude. You know what I mean? Like him and Mike Scott are like, and I put them in like the same kind of category of just like their personality and just how they go about their business. Like, so I I really appreciate guys like that. And, uh, you know, the fact that he really appreciated the time that I took to the little, you know, nods, a little, I I, I don't know if you've seen the box uh, design and we're able to really catch the little details, but just like his nicknames were on there and stuff like that. And I think he, he noticed that and appreciated that. So that was really, really cool for me to see like that that reaction so then um after that so i guess he put he put like a limited number you know available for purchase through his app right yeah so that design you know got everyone so excited that he wanted to do you know just a, a smaller box uh and with a shirt and a signed bandana out to you know out to people and you know it's been that that response has been just as incredible because people have been getting their boxes and they've been you know tagging me and 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 the pictures and they get the box they're really excited that it's just you know yeah, dude, people are doing yeah. unboxing videos like like that shit goes goes like viral like that's the type of stuff you see yeah like you know, like celebrities and influencers doing and stuff. And now you guys have created this thing that people like, they're not just getting it and opening it and putting the shirt on. Like they're literally so excited and so happy to get it that they're taking the time to like video themselves opening it. And you're seeing that natural reaction. And, and it's so incredible to see, like as awesome as it was to see Lou Williams reaction to that because of who he is. It's also so cool to see, you know, regular people be able to get their hands on something like that. And again, during this time, have, have bring them that spark of joy um, that they get from it. it. It's so great to see. So it's such a, it's such an awesome idea. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's just, as it's just it excites me just as much as Lou Williams, you know, um, opening the boxes, anyone opening the box, you know, everyone that's been tagging me, I appreciate it. Thank you. Keep tagging me. If you get a box, you know, I, I want to see it. And uh, it's cool because this is my first like product or packaging designer that I've ever done. So like I didn't kind of just went in like just, you know, just winging it. You know what I mean? Not really sure yeah. just what the reaction was going to be. So for it to get the response that it did is like really exciting. And yeah, I can't wait to do some more stuff. So the box, um, is, is it still available or it was a limited number, right? Uh, it was a limited number, yeah, but I think I just talked to Mike uh, Kane, who helps Mike with the merch and everything. Um, I, I think they're going to try to get some more stuff, and 
you know, kind of just to, to tease a little bit. We are working on some some new stuff, some okay. summer gear. Nice. So keep an eye out for that. I'm really excited. I uh, got some good ideas brewing. So I'm sure that will probably lead to another uh, set of boxes, uh, hopefully. So uh, just keep an eye out for that. But um, I'm pretty sure with the response that we've been getting, like, why not keep, you know, why not keep doing it? If it's like you said, it's, it's people are really gravitating towards it. It's making their day. It's a positive thing. It's, it's a good thing. So why not keep, you know, putting that energy out there if we can. So uh, I would Absolutely. assume like, yeah, there would be more boxes available at some point. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad, you know, they're having success with it. Obviously we love Mike. Um, you know, we, he, he has listened to the pod before, so we appreciate him. And obviously when we're talking about, you know, st- stuff like this, bring people joy, you know, we we've been, you know, at, at all the Mike Scott hive events since, since the beginning, basically. And it's a very important community for us. And it brings a lot of joy to a lot of people, you know, ourselves included and has done a lot of good for the community as well as has Mike. So, you know, everybody thriving and succeeding is good for us. Good for everybody. Everybody, um, especially happy for you too, Nick. Um, you know, you you do a really great job. Uh, Want to thank you for joining us again. Um, you know, the next time you know something's cooking, something's coming up, dude, hit us up. You know, we'll be happy to bring you on, talk about it again, talk some Sixers. Um, you know, may, maybe during the playoffs, we'll we'll see how this goes. If if we get some good stuff, we'll bring you back on. See how we're feeling then, since I think we're all a little nervous right now, uh, rightfully yeah. so, with how this team has treated us, but. Again, make sure that you follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Johnson underscore art. Check out his stuff, nickjohnson.shop. And you can find the Mike Scott app at mikescottapp.com, which is where you can purchase uh, shirts that Nick has designed for Mike for the high, stuff like that. It's where the boxes, you know, were or are or will be, you know, whatever that situation is, you, you can continue to view that. And I'm sure um, as more things come from that, you'll, you'll, you'll hear us talk about it. You'll be able to see Nick talking about it on social media and everything like that. So, Nick, um, thanks for joining us. Any, anything else you want to shout out or drop before we go? Uh, yeah, just, uh, I just want to say thank you guys for having me on. You guys do a great job. I love your podcast. You guys, you know, just do a really good job with everything that you guys do. And I always look forward to what you guys got going on and I love checking in with you. Um, as far as anything else is coming up, um, if you guys are into gaming, check out my gaming brand, uh, DCX Commonwealth, uh, at DCX Commonwealth on Twitter, uh, at DCX Elite on Instagram. Uh, if you want to play any video games with us or inter- interested in video game content, definitely check us out. And uh, yeah, Dan, if you're playing any Warzone, dude, we gotta, you know, we gotta drop, we gotta drop in. Yeah, we'll hook it up, man. I'm uh, terrible, but we'll hook yeah. it up. <laughs> it's all good, man. It's all. It's just about having fun. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys. Appreciate the Hive. Shout out to the Hive too. And uh, yeah, everyone, stay safe out there. Uh, be present, and uh, you know. And just, you know, just try to try to shine some some light uh, out there, you know, and, and and just try to be a beacon of light and, and help people where you can. And that's where I'll just leave it at. I appreciate you guys. and Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, I think uh, the way I, I wanted to wrap this up and, and Steve, I think you'll you'll appreciate this, too. Uh, you know, like Bill and Ted said, be excellent to each other. Yes. All right, so for Steve, I'm Dan. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to Nick for joining us. Uh, Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us that five-star rating and that review on Apple Podcasts. We'll talk to everybody soon. Thanks, and trust the podcast. Later, guys. Thank you.